Thank you for joining Christine Crockett-Smith as she shares insights and parenting strategies from her gold medal winning book, 18 Master Values, Be the Parent You Wish You'd Had, a great resource for peaceful parent-child relationships. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so glad you're here, whether you're watching live or whether you're watching this later. My goal is to help parents be better parents. And that's what these shows are going to be about. Hopefully you'll come away with some kind of a nugget, something you haven't thought about, something that helps you be better at being a parent. And I am so thrilled today. I have a friend of mine joining me, Kim Minch. And you want to tell them just a little bit about who you are? Absolutely. I'm a Jai certified parent coach. I work specifically with the moms of preteens and teens to help them develop healthier, happier relationships. And that has a lot to do with working on themselves, working on the parent, much like your book. So important. You know, one thing that I learned when I started getting into this and having these conversations is quite often a, when, you, when you're speaking to a parent about issues that they're having with their children, it is a personal problem and sometimes it's a relationship problem sometimes it's the two parents are not on the same page and that's the work that needs to be done it's Mm -hmm. almost never the kids Mm -hmm. have you found that to be true absolutely I think that um, in one of the chapters you mention that you can't truly love your child until you truly accept and love yourself and I think that is very true and I think that people can go throughout their entire life not questioning or examining anything that they've taken in or you know learned as a child there's real value in looking back to move forward and I talk about that with uh, moms all the time I love the way that you say that looking back to move Mm -hmm. forward yeah you know one thing as I've been out talking about the book since it's come out one thing that I say is that people have to give themselves permission to dismiss anything that was dissonant that they were told. And it's amazing to me how that word has been like this thunderbolt for people sometimes that they are living under the umbrella of of things that they've been taught to believe by their clergy or their parents or the people in their lives and mm-hmm. giving them just giving them permission to to step back, to look back and go, "Okay, wait a minute. What of that's one of our greatest jobs, isn't it? Is just helping people know to do that. Right. And one of the things I didn't say initially was that I'm the mother of five children between the ages of 13 and 31. Right. And the reason that I really got involved in parenting is because in 2008, my oldest son, who was 20 at the time, um, I, it, it became very clear to me he had an addiction to alcohol. And it really, that was really what prompted me kind of looking within myself at my, the way I had grown up at the way I was parenting my children at the time, and knowing that I wanted stronger, deeper connections with my children. Um, and to do that, I had to release some of the control, and um, which sounds maybe counter- No, <laughs> it's so important. People don't realize how key that is. Well, and, and it's not an easy thing to do, right? But um, so it was in 2008 that I really started this journey in looking at what does it really mean to be a parent? 
you know, is it about control or is it about guiding them? And I truly believe, and this is what I help moms do, is to pull back, look within themselves, and learn how to be that guide, especially during the teen years, to their children, you know, to release what their expectations and their agenda is in order to allow that child to come naturally forward and be who they're meant to be. Be who they came here to be. Yeah, that's one of my big things. You know, I say a lot that all disappointment comes from expectation. And it's kind of what you just said about for a parent to understand that they're not, not only are they not meant to control their children, that that's not the goal, but we can't. You know, I remember when my kids were little, one of the earliest things I learned was that when a child feels out of control, one of the things that they'll do is if they've been potty trained already, they'll revert because that's one thing that they have absolute control over. And so here's the parent getting even more annoyed and more controlling (laughs) when they don't even realize that that's what's causing the problem. Mm -hmm. I would say that and food, right? Like you cannot make somebody eat and you're picky two-year-old that doesn't want to eat I mean (laughs) right I say um I wanted I wanted to just say this that our children come through us not for us but for the lessons that they reflect to us in their journey as they go along their way right and to help us grow up oh yes one of the things I say is we learn more from them than we teach them if we just pay attention yeah we're best little teachers so one thing that I want to do in this show, at least in the beginning, is talk. I want to make sure that we cover each of the values in the book. And so you have generously agreed today to talk about the first two, which are love and positive attitude. And I think, you know, if you were only going to read one chapter, I think love would be it. I think that it solves what a lot of a lot of problems if you can just realize how important that piece is on a daily basis. You referred to love never feeling icky, right? And then you give an example of a father taking a belt out, right? And that immediately prompted me to think about my own childhood and the situation that I was in when I was in fourth grade. And um, my parents, I we had moved midway through the year and I was really having a struggle with my new school and whatever. One day in the springtime, I decided I'm gonna run away at recess. I'm going to run home like I'm, I'm done with the school. And I got home and I got like the biggest beating of my life. And and that, that that's really the only time like I want to preface that I don't want to like throw my parents under the bus. But the reason that my dad did that and said to me in the process of that is um, this hurts me more than you. Oh my gosh. So when you said that in the book I was like yeah I, I've heard that before. Um, which is totally not true. But side point um I think it was their frustration level that you know even if they had sat me down and said my gosh what is going on you literally left school you walked along a highway you could anything could have happened to you we're so worried can we talk about you know instead in their frustration in their lack of skill and and just not knowing what to do they hurt me on top of that So it really didn't do anything to diminish my anxiety and unhappiness at the time. Of course not. And it it diminishes your trust in the people that are supposed Mm. to be protecting you and taking care of you. I actually had a friend recently um, tell me that that's one of the things in the book that she disagrees with, that she um, did use corporal punishment with her children. And I 
I said, would you still today? And um, she said she would, and she defended it from the um, phrase that so many people use to defend it, spare the rod, spoil the child from the Bible. But, um, and while I do, I respect everyone's opinions about choices that they make, but to your point, one thing, one reason that I believe parents resort to that is number one, it happened to them, and so much of what we do is just, well, it worked for me. Mm-hmm. But so much of what, going back to the very beginning of this show, how people just didn't take the time to think about really consciously who do I want to be as a parent and how do I want to parent? So then when the thing shows up where they're lacking control, mm-hmm. which they shouldn't be the goal anyway. They're so frustrated, they just resort to what they know. And I think both of us feel really strongly that part of our job, not just with physical um, actions, but a, a huge part of our job is getting people to think about just because that's how it was done to you or because someone else told you that's how it ought to be done. Right. It's you and it's your child. Well, and not only who do I want to be as a parent, as you mentioned, but also what is my child feeling? You know, I mean, right? rarely are we taking into account what where that child might be in that moment? And I want to say that all behavior, whether it's adult, child, whatever, comes from trying to meet six of our basic emotional needs. Ooh, and that's, tell us. <laughs> let's see if I can remember. Put me on the spot. Acceptance, affection, appreciation, attention. Uh, oh, my gosh. I totally forgot the word. It's okay. Autonomy okay. and connection. <laughs> so we're always motivated by our behavior, good, bad, or indifferent, by trying to get one of those needs met. So if, how, if you put that into context with the way that you're parenting in the moment with this child who's having a total meltdown, right? It's like, what could be going on beneath the surface of this meltdown or this screaming or whatever? And, and also knowing that our children aren't necessarily doing things to us, like, you know, you, there's so much of parenting that gets taken so personally. And if we can, you know, kind of remove ourselves from the moment from that very intimate relationship just to stand back and say, what's really going on beneath the surface here, you know? And to, you know, to, to try and, again, look at their perspective as to what's going on. That doesn't mean, hey, go there, you know, do whatever they want and no, have them, let them have their way. But let's get, it, you know, more perspective than this kid is doing this to me and my day is ruined and blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah, because the answer to the best way to help the child work through that depends on which of those they're trying to get met. And so it would be six very different um, reactions to the child's behavior. Mm-hmm. That's an um, such an important thing to remember. And parents have to know, you know, as a mother of five, all five of yours were really different, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so each of Absolutely. them came at you with a completely right. different set of challenges. It's not like you get to say, okay, what kind of a parent do I want to be and write it out and then be done with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it it's, requ- a <laughs> it's a practice. It's a practice and it's a practice with each one of them because they are so different and their temperaments are different. Um, I know with my son Maddox, who's at this point 15, um, when he was little, he when he would be bored, he would get, I would call him naughty, meaning he would pick on his younger sister. Mm. And to this day, my kids now think it's really funny. <laughs> Mia will say, Maddox is being naughty because 
<laughs> That's funny. But it was it was when he was bored, and so I needed to redirect him into something to interest him. And then also, baths worked really well to calm him down. Mm. And I, I didn't that didn't necessarily I either didn't use that or didn't work with the other ones but I mean really water for whatever reason really changed his attitude and his tone and his um just calmed him down that's a beautiful example of how they can all be different and you know there's your work out there there's my work out there there's so much work out there in the parenting world and so many resources to look at all the different ways that you can address a child's behavior and find what works for that child Mm -hmm. in that moment but I also think too and I believe this is in love because I only read the two chapters because I really didn't want to bring any other stuff in I know the whole thing is going to be fantastic Um, but in that chapter you um, talk about hold on now I totally forgot no 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 that's okay (laughs) I appreciate that that you took the time to be so meticulous about the chapter yes I, I did want it to be very meticulous about the chapter let me think um, I can't, I just, Kim, I have to interrupt you. I can't tell you how cool it is to be sitting here with my book in front of someone all highlighted. Yes, ah! I'm an active, I'm an active, active reader. I love that. I know. Let me just get to the, the one that I wanted to, oh, I am going to, I'm going to just back off that Absolutely. and say, when love is in the room, it can be felt. That's on page 11. And I think you're right. I think our children really know when they feel heard, seen, and loved. And that's different from giving them everything they want, right? That's different from um, not having any rules and just letting them, you know? But when our children feel heard, then I think that goes a long way into what they bring into their friendships in school and what they bring into the world at large, right? Everything, the, what happens at home is the foundation for them. 100%. And when they're seen and heard, that doesn't mean you have to agree all the time. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, give in. But when when you allow them to have their voice, that is incredibly helpful, and and it helps them to learn to advocate for themselves outside of the home. Right. You know, one thing I did for my teenage kids that no one else in my life was doing at the time, when they, you know, when they start driving, they get such freedom, and that can go several different ways, and. What I said to them was, you have 100% freedom right now. I trust you 100%. Let me know where you are and who you're with all the time, and you'll maintain that freedom. If you ever get to the point that you end up somewhere that I didn't know or you're with people that I didn't know about, it's going to have to be reduced a little bit. And they didn't have a curfew. And um, all of those things that I just mentioned are the opposite of trying to control them and it is trusting them and never had a problem mm. and I think you're right they, they felt respected and trusted but yeah back to love in the room yeah I I don't know about you but I feel energy I, I do and um, well we you know when your kids start um, I've kind of watched obviously my kids being as old as they are my oldest being 31 at this point I've kind of watched them progress through their being more self-centered to a place where they ask you about your day if you you know like if you genuinely ask your child how was your day and they feel they know from you that they you truly care and that you know then they will they will talk about it also have found that you've got to really be there when they're willing to talk right I mean my youngest two were the only ones at home at this point 
tend to want to chat at 10 o'clock at night when I'm tired and wanting to <laughs> get them to go to bed because they need, you know, got to go to school the next morning. But you really have to be available in there for them. And I don't think you can be emotionally available to a level your child needs unless you are emotionally attached to yourself. So I think that first chapter in love is really all about um, learning to look back again and seek the truth about what it is, you know, the different values of the different things that you were taught. And then what do I want to really instill in my kids? Because I don't think we take the time to do that. Yeah, and to make sure that you are creating a space within your home that is peaceful and filled with love and it's a place that they want to be Mm. and that they feel safe enough to talk to you. And you don't get that when you're correcting them all the time or refuting what they said or telling them they're wrong. Yeah, and being there when they're ready. You You have to have a conscious awareness you have to have really consciously decided to pay attention to that to be able to catch them at the right time. Well, and one of the things I want to say about this book specifically is that um, it's never too late to build a healthier relationship with your child. However, this is a fantastic book for moms of littles, for women who are just embarking on this journey. And it's actually a fantastic book for someone who doesn't have children because, again, it it, it asked you to question what do I really what did I learn about love and is it the truth for me and how do I want to move forward in that how do I want to how do I want to show up when it comes to loving myself and other people so important you know earlier in this conversation when you were talking about part of our job is to help adults go back and reflect and decide who they want to be not only will that make them a better parent, it will make them a better spouse and a better friend. And ultimately, I think you agree with this. I think we've talked about this. Being able to be comfortable with yourself alone in a room where you don't feel compelled to have those distractions of electronics all the time is the key to having successful, healthy relationships with anybody else. Absolutely. I am going to go to page 14 because I know I totally... Totally, there was something on 14 I really wanted to bring up. Uh, Key. To love your children in a way they deserve and to raise them to be loving people who will spread goodness and mercy to every encounter they have, you must first learn to love yourself. I think that's an essence, like the essence of what we were just talking about, right? I mean, it's, it's, I think so many people lose their voice over their childhood whether it was their parents or their teachers or whatever all of it first of all like you said to give permission to yourself to um, explore and seek what your truth is and then to live it out you know I we it's so easy to go through the day-to-day life and challenges and whatever and never truly take the time to think things through um i think at least for me through meditation meditation has been a fantastic way to really gosh um get quiet within myself oh this is where i wanted to go hey it's back that you know no matter what i say in my coaching or whatnot i think parents I think everybody, not parents, everybody has the answers within themselves I if agree. they are willing to get 
quiet and really listen. I mean, I truly believe that. We, we're so used to seeking outside information and seeking all this validation and I gotta do it this way and these three steps and blah, 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 blah. And the reality is nobody should substitute your decision on something or, or, or tell you exactly how to do it because the answer is within you. I believe that 100%. And one of the things that I say in the book is when you have taken the time to really consciously, not just you, but with your partner, if you have a partner, decide what you want your family values to be, it does make decision making easier. And then when you've made that decision, it's easier to defend when those other people are coming at you and saying, you can't do that, or why did you do that, or that's wrong. When you've really consciously made that decision, you're able to go, thank you. No, I'm good. (laughs) But if you haven't, if you're just kind of falling through and somebody says something to you different, it it can feel, it can make you question yourself. So that's why I think it's really important. Did you have anything else that you want to, that's really important about love or can we move to positive attitude? Let's move to positive attitude. Okay. I think having a positive attitude affects every single aspect of your life every single day. One of the things that I said to my kids, my poor kids, they heard the same things over and over and over, but that concept of paying attention to your thoughts because they become your words and that becomes your actions and that becomes your character, which then dictates your destiny. Mm-hmm. I think inside the head is where you start deciding to have a positive attitude. Absolutely, and, I, and, and sometimes easier said than done. However, I loved in the initial part of positive attitude that you talk about you, any, any given situation, good, bad, whatever, let's say bad situation. You know, you lose, you're gonna lose a job, you get a bad grade, um, whatever. A friend stops can, being a friend. Yes, fantastic. Um, you can change it, you can leave it, or you can learn how to deal with it. Those were your three things, and that's really reality, right? My poor kids, I heard that a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet that they're now sharing that or will share that with their own children, right? Mm-hmm. And how true is that, you know? It's change it, or leave it, or learn how to deal with it. And you have a choice between learning how to deal with it, positive or negative. And you mentioned at the end of um, positive attitude, if someone has told you that you have a negative attitude, you probably have a negative, you do have a negative attitude. (laughs) I was pretty harsh with that. (laughs) But I think it's, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, you can look at things from a positive or a negative way. And your children, your children, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, they take that in. They they internalize that. They watch us even when we don't, you know, we, we don't know um, that they're watching and they're yeah. paying attention. And the way we respond, that doesn't mean just gloss over your own feelings and, you know, always have a smile on your face like June and Ward Cleaver, I believe you <laughs> bring them, bring them in. Um, but it means, you know, working on yourself so that you can be emotionally available to them and when things do arise in our lives and they always do always so you know it's generally going to get better if you have the attitude that i can i can deal with this i'm strong and i can you know i can I can get through this. Um, I've had several things in my own life. Obviously, I was a teen mom, and um, my son, again, at 20, had an addiction to alcohol. So I've been through some challenges in my life, and everyone has them, right? It's, you know, so it's how you respond to those things. It's the only thing we can control. 
we can't control circumstances we can't control natural things that happen we can't control other people but we can 100% control how we decide to respond to something not just how we respond to our children but you're so right that they learn from watching us way more than from anything that we say and if you're going through your life with a negative bent that's what they're going to hear and that's what they're going to learn one of my pet peeves is when someone says um that they're a realist, not a pessimist. Mm. <laughs> I, I've heard that at my house. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that doesn't, there, you know, in any situation, people's different perspectives of reality can be different and equally valid. And it's just a choice that you make that really paves the way for every day of your life and how it's going to go, how you decide to perceive things so important one of the things that I like to think about is is again with our kids in different situations having a childlike curiosity right you know through the eyes of a child if we think about our children yes I had five different you know personalities even coming into the world I my first deal with colic was my fourth son and um, but you know they come in with different temperaments but then helping them to shape the way their world looks you know and and the way they want to be in the world because really that is all we have control over right how who we're going to show up as and i don't mean that from a por- performance standpoint no in fact that's what that's taken back to love sorry the love chapter but there's so often that we perform for love you know that we're not behaving authentically and we if we want our children to be authentic in their beings we have to demonstrate that and we have to respect them when they are being authentic even when it's not what we would prefer yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. not pretty or they're having big feelings or you know I mean to allow them to have their feelings and just not not rush to fix it not rush to solve it but to allow them to have those feelings and sometimes just bear witness to that I heard something recently that kind of blew my mind that I never thought of before It was from an essay that was written in 2017. It was the most read essay of the year. I don't, I unfortunately can't remember the name of the author nor the essay, but I bet you could find it if you just Googled most read essay. But one thing that he mentioned, oh, it's something about why you will marry the wrong person. I think that's the title of it. But he said two things, that either you came from chaos and dysfunction, and so you're going to be attracted to chaos or dysfunction, because that's going to be your comfort zone. We've all heard that one a thousand times. I've heard that. Everybody's heard that one. But then he said, even in those families where the parents are really consciously trying to create a great parental child environment, I, I think this applies to that term that we've heard so much about helicopter parenting, where these parents came in and so desperately wanted to do differently for their children than was done to them and I absolutely fall into that category we can hide our feelings we can hide the darkness we can hide the hard times because we're afraid because what we think we're supposed to do is create this beautiful bucolic situation and atmosphere for them so we go in the closet to cry we smile through the pain and what that teaches a child or doesn't teach a child is how to deal with all of that range of emotions so what he's saying is so then you're going to marry the wrong person because you're not showing up fully 
with all of your emotions and all the range you're not showing your anger and your sadness and and that really struck me you're in a way again performing to what that person needs you to be or what that perception of the relationship is you know instead of being who you truly are and I know I mean I definitely am guilty of this over the years you know with different relationships and whatever but several years ago I made the decision to um, kind of really look at everything that was coming into my own life what I was reading what I was watching on TV who I was spending time with all of these things and making conscious choices over time it didn't happen overnight right. but really wanting to you know put it put in what's going to you know going to be beneficial to me you know and then setting aside what really isn't beneficial to me and then when I do that I'm again modeling for everybody else in the house what that looks like I think moms are the emotional barometer Mm. in their homes Mm. and that means that it's not our responsibility I don't want people to think like hey you know you've got to be this perfect emotionally all put together self it's about being honest and vulnerable and working through your own crap to be available for the small children that have come into your life. And sometimes working through your crap publicly, and by publicly I mean within the family, let them see you struggle through Mm -hmm. um, maybe having to let a friend go or having to make a tough decision about a relationship or a job or something. And even arguing, you know, letting them witness healthy arguing where two people have different opinions and still walk away loving each other. Mm. It's really important. I feel like I could talk to you (laughs) all day. I feel like we have so much in common and, you know, mostly just our love of children. One thing that the way that I explain why I am in the world is to diminish the suffering of children. And I feel like you share that and there are a lot of different ways of doing that and one of them is to help parents be better parents and help create more peace in in the house so thank you for being here do you want to tell the audience just a little bit about a little bit more about what you do how they can find you how they can work with you and how you can help them diminish the suffering of their children (laughs) awesome well i i have a website reallifeparentguide.com it's just one l in that real life and um, i do workshops and i do um, moms groups i'm starting one tomorrow night called moms empowering moms in the um, dallas area for mothers of teenagers can they find that on your website information about that workshop no, but it's through Meetup. So they could go to oh. Meetup and do Moms Empowering Moms, and moms they would be able moms. to find it. It starts tomorrow night, just the planning meeting. So I'm excited about that. I do one-on-one coaching through a program that I developed called Let's Do This Together, the Mindful Approach to Raising Your Adolescent. Mm-hmm. It's an online component, but then you meet with me once a week as well, and I can do that locally or I can do that nationally. I've not coached anyone internationally yet, but, but I certainly do a lot of it. Yeah, I certainly do a lot of it. Um, um, you know, via phone and Skype. So um, I, that's an eight-week course, and that totally has the ability to transform the parent-child relationship. So I love that you're working with parents of teenagers. I feel like even quite often when a parental-child relationship is healthy and, and going along well, quite often those changes of hormones and 
insecurities that start happening in the teen years can rock that relationship and parents don't know what to do even the ones that really want to work hard so I'm really glad that you're doing that work with them thank you you're welcome it's my passion yay <laughs> that's what we want for everyone is being able to live their passion right <laughs> yep. and I you can find me at christinecrocketsmith.com or 18mastervalues.com I too do workshops I speak I do one-on-one coaching and I'll do anything I can do to diminish the suffering of children thank you so much for being with us today and please let both of us know how we can help you in any way thanks bye